0: Is it a lifestyle that was rewarding? Was it what you expected it to be? Why would you encourage people to get out there and and be an overlander, travel and see things?
1: My question is, why not? When I was in eighth grade, we went to an old folks home and talked to all these old people. And they always talked about all these regrets they had. And I go, I want to be the quiet old guy in the corner that has no regrets on nothing. So why not try? If you want to do something, just go out and do it.
2: Episode 346, Traveling the World is Not as Difficult or Expensive as You May Think, with Travis Rabenberg. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville.
0: Hey friends, Kurt here. You know, before we jump into today's show, I wanted to visit just briefly about our listener drive, our new listener drive. We're trying to double our downloads by the end of the month. And the reason is because February 28th is our three-year anniversary of the Adventure Sports Podcast. We really believe that the information and the guests and the motivation that come through this show can really help people to get out there, be healthier, build community, have more fun, enlarge their lives, and and make wonderful memories. So I wanted to give you an update on how that's going. Last week was the strongest week ever on the Adventure Sports Podcast. That means that you are doing what we've asked. You're telling your friends about the show. And we really, really appreciate that. So it's working. We see the growth. It's starting. We still have a ways to go if we're going to double our downloads by the end of February. So please do get out there. Tell all your friends about the Adventure Sports Podcast so that they can benefit like we all benefit from this community. So thank you very much for sharing the show with others. We're excited that we can see the downloads ramping up, but we have to keep up the momentum. So Please continue. Tell your friends about the Adventure Sports Podcast. Also, you may not know this, but you can now hear the Adventure Sports Podcast on Spotify. So if you go to Spotify and you search for Adventure Sports Podcast, we should pop up. You can also find us by going to the podcast section of Spotify. For you non-iTunes users out there, that's another way to hear the Adventure Sports Podcast. It's convenient. Might as well take advantage of it. So today's guest is Travis Rabenberg. Travis is a world traveler that just returned from South America, where he's been overlanding in a van, and he has created for himself an adventure-focused, adventure-based lifestyle. So, Travis, welcome to the program. And, hey, will you give us a little summary, the bullet points, of what you've been doing over the last few years? It's just a lot of stuff.
1: All right, so I just returned from 14 months traveling around the world in my van. Um, I got started doing a couple of these trips Probably back in 2010, got laid off as a mechanical engineer just out of college, three months experience, and now I couldn't find a job, and everybody in 2010 was looking for a job. So I said, screw it, booked an airline ticket, flew away, started renting motorcycles, riding around the world, flew to each country, rode a bike, BMW heard about it, so they called me and said, hey, would you be willing to ride our bikes? So every country I flew to, they had a bike for me, so now I had a BMW sponsorship, BMW was giving me all this publicity, and then magazines started giving me publicity, and then GoPro called me and said, "Will you wear a GoPro. So then GoPro started publicizing all of my events, and then a clothing company based out of Germany called Born to be Awesome Clothing, they started providing me with clothes. So on a backpacking trip around the world, ended up becoming a full-blown job of riding motorcycles professionally, cameras, and, and clothing everywhere. So that was 13 months So 396 days, ended up hitchhiking a ride on a super yacht sailboat across the Atlantic. Figured one day of sailing lessons is good, 21 days on the open ocean should be great. (laughs) Sailed across the Atlantic, came back, tried to make it big in California, moved out there. My manager's like, you're going to be a millionaire, you're going to be on TV, everything. Four years later, I went home, said, "Nope, I'm tired of being poor. Started a tiny house company, lived in a tiny house for a while. Built that up, sold the house off. My parents sold their house, sold my property. Now their their house was sold, so my warehouse, the, the shop was sold. So now I need to go buy a new shop and do all this. And I go, no, nah, I got all this money. I'm over it. So I bought a van, put four-wheel drive on it, and then uh, left from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and heading south, um, drove all over the U.S., down Mexico, and then we shipped over to Columbia and then started the South American trip.
0: Awesome. So today our main focus is really going to be on the South American trip, but we had to get that quick bullet point preview because you are not someone that's new to international travel, obviously, and what's so fascinating to me about this, Travis, is that you took off because you wanted to do something, and it's like people found out and all the sponsorships came and it turned into something that could be a life, you know, a lifestyle. That's kind of wild. So what did you do to get noticed by BMW and by Um, GoPro and by – you know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Well, this last trip, I purposely chose not to be sponsored. Um, They ended up dictating my trip and kind of like putting everything out there, like everything I had to do, and it ended up being no fun anymore. Um, So this trip, I did it myself, but it's all – you have to get out there and do it before they they, – before they're going to notice you, you can't say you're going to do it because there's a million people out there saying they're going to do it. Right. But as soon as you get out there and you start doing something, people always are willing to help you. If there's a guy out pushing his car up a hill, people will hop out of their car and help him get up the hill. But if he's just standing there by his car going, can you help me? Nobody wants to help you because while well, you're not doing anything.
0: Mm, good point.
1: So, and a lot of lot of things, like the reason my van, we just got it going enough, and I threw everything in it. I had a O 01 Ford E350 V10 sportsmobile, and then my buddies and I bought a wrecked ambulance and tore the 4x4 out of that and put it onto my van, that then I left. But I just grabbed all the parts, and I said, I'll fix it on the road, because I see it time and time again on Craigslist. You see these ultimate overland vehicles, these awesome motorcycles, all decked out for an Alaska trip or a Pan American highway trip. But they never do it because they need everything perfect, and then they spent their budget, and then it doesn't happen. Right. You guys got to just get out there and make it happen. It'll it'll figure itself out. It'll like the more trips I do, the less prep and the less things I have. I just go okay. Well, I need a Leatherman and duct tape and zip ties and a wire cutter and all right. Let's go. We'll figure it out on the way.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. You know what that requires though, Travis, is time. You have to have a flexible schedule, right?
1: Everybody has time. Everybody has a flexible schedule. It's just. Are they willing to sacrifice enough to get to that level?
0: Well, and that brings up another point. You have an adventure-focused lifestyle, and one way that you make that possible, you mentioned before I hit record here, is you're teaching English to uh, people in China.
1: Yeah, I've had a, I have like a small companies in the U.S. still that make a little bit of money, but the primarily all the people I met while overlanding all through South America for the last fourteen months, they're all independently not rich, but they have wealth. They all have. One house that they live in, and they move out of the house, and they just rent it while traveling. It's paid off. Now that house creates enough income for them to keep traveling. Most people traveling through South America in a motorhome or van are living on $1,000 a month. That's $12,000 a year. That's pretty much a normal house for rent. That's not not a terrible lot. Um, But I don't have any big rentals like that, so I teach English online in China all through South America. I get paid in dollars. I teach from 7 a.m. till about 11 o'clock every day, and I get 15, 18 bucks an hour cash and just keep traveling. So, anyone that has a laptop that's over the age of 14 can teach English online in China and make money while traveling.
0: (laughs) That's great. Man, that's so cool. You know, I think. What you're illustrating here is that people always think, well, someday when I'm rich, I can retire, and then I'll travel some. And what you're saying is, oh, no, 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 you go now, you figure it out now, and there are ways to make enough money to make this happen for you. Whether that's yeah. that you have a rental house back somewhere that's that's feeding you a little bit of cash, or you're teaching English in China, there are different ways to do it if you really want to do it.
1: Yeah, everyone that says they can't do it, it's not that they can't,
0: so that you're choosing not to.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean... I met guys out there that have no legs that are traveling South America, so that's not an excuse. I mean, there's there's always a way you can do it, and if you don't have a driver's license, people are riding bicycles doing this. It's crazy. Like there's and it's all everything's different. Like whatever your budget is or what your comfort level is is how you choose. Do you go through South America in a big six x six Unimog that's fully loaded with a kitchen and toilet, and crayon sinks? Or do you go on a bicycle, and maybe a bicycle's too much maintenance, or you walk? I mean, I've met all kinds, so it's, it just depends what you want to do.
0: Well, here's a, a kind of a big question for you, then. Why do it? Is it a lifestyle well, that was rewarding? Was it what you expected it to be? Why would you encourage people to get out there and, and be an overlander, travel, and see things?
1: My question is, why not? When I was in eighth grade, we went to an old folks home and talked to all these old people. And they always talked about all these regrets they had. And I go, I want to be the quiet old guy in the corner that has no regrets on nothing. Did I try it? Yep. Did I fail? Yep. I failed a lot. My little companies, they've never lost money, but they've never made a lot of money. So I'm going to keep trying and eventually something will happen. So why not try? If you want to do something, just go out and do it. Everyone comes up to me and goes, oh, like, you're going to Miami today. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just booked a ticket. Oh, I wish that must be nice. And I'm like, what do you mean that must be nice? Like, my round-trip tickets are $35.50 nonstop. Grand Rapids to Miami. (laughs) You can afford that. You buy a a latte from Starbucks every day. I don't get any of those. I don't drink. Why? Because my budget for alcohol would be higher than my, my living expenses. I teach 30 minutes to an hour and a half each day when I'm in South America, and that makes me break even. I go okay, how much is my camping wow. today? My camping's $5 today. I'm on the beach. How much is my food? My food for the day is $7. Okay, I need to teach two classes and now I broke even for today. I'm done teaching my second class. I'm going to go surf. I'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow. And I have some savings if I need to, but most of the time I'd spend between 100 to 200 bucks a month extra of my savings and almost all of it is teaching online
0: this is the cool thing about it. It's almost like you're on vacation, but it's not a vacation. It's a lifestyle. But the point is, it's not like you're draining your savings to do this. Right. You're earning your way as you go and you know, you have a, a tight budget, yep. but you're making it happen. Right.
1: And it's actually not as tight as you think once you get into certain countries. Um, Cause like Mexico, I have never done laundry. They always pressed it and brought it back to me for four bucks for all my laundry, 13 kilos of laundry and that's taken care of. I'm living on the beach for free. Um, hotels, right next store. I go and use the pool, the showers, the toilets, and then eat dinner there, and that's five bucks. It's all what you want to set. And the one thing that I'm noticing coming back to the States is everyone's like, oh, I want more money. I want more money. It's very hard to control how much more money you make. It's very easy, but it's not comfortable. It's easy to com- control how much you're spending. It's a lot easier to spend half as much money than it is for you to double your income. Yeah, good point. That's what I learned this trip is it's a whole lot easier to cut my expenses back than it is for me to double my pay without doubling my hours.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It used to be a goal of mine, and, and I'm considering making it a new goal again, but to earn less money. And people look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm like, well, no, because if you can adjust your lifestyle so that you can earn less money, then you can make that amount of money doing a huge variety of different things. But if you're making your top dollar in your career, that means that you're the expert and you can only do one thing. Yeah. And that's what ties you down.
1: Yeah, I can see that. My thing is to make more money per hour and work less hours. That's my goal. I want to be making $1,000 an hour. And like one of the guys, I'm currently working on my second book right now. My first book's titled Party Like a Billionaire, How to Live Large on Next to Nothing. It's how I traveled around the world, step-by-step how-to on how I met princes, billionaires, senators, dated supermodels, playboy playmates, dated princesses, whatever. It was it was a fun trip. But um, this new book I'm working on, my second one, is about van life and how these people do it. And one guy, he works one month a year really hard, and he designs all the halls for the new boats coming out for all these um, the equivalent in the U.S. would be like Four Winds or a Sea Ray. He does all the 2019 haul design. He does it in one month, then he gets his commission, and then he goes. Wow. Um, there's another couple I know they do, once a month they do a YouTube video, kind of, for the health department, um, for the Netherlands. psychologist posts all this information, and then they kind of look at it, and they're like, oh, okay, well, da 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 and then they simplify it for the normal doctors on their, on their payroll. So that video goes out to 144,000 doctors all over the Netherlands. So they do that once a month, and then that covers their expenses for that month. Another guy has a rental house that he inherited from his parents in Paris, and he just sits on the beach in Colombia. Um, another guy has a patent on shoe boxes that Nike buys, so he gets a commission off of all the shoe boxes that Nike sells with this design. And it's crazy. Like there's there's so many ways to make two hundred dollars a month commission, royalties or whatever, rental. And you're like, okay, two hundred here, two hundred there, three hundred there. Oh, I'm up to thousand bucks. That's all I need. And it's really crazy. These guys have five teeny little companies. You think, well, big deal. It makes two hundred bucks a month. Like that's nothing. Well, it's a lot more when, the, when you're paying in pesos and living on the beach in your van.
0: Right. Yeah, it's totally doable if you really want to right. do it. So your book, again, is Party Like a Billionaire. Where can people find that?
1: Yeah, you can pick that up on Amazon. Um, you can download it uh, for Kindle or you can order it in print or whatever. Um, that's just a real simple one. Um, right now, though, we are working on translating that into Mandarin. Um, I have a lot of students in China that really want my book. So now we're switching that over to half Chinese, half English, kind of um, helping you transition into learning the English language, and they really want to hear about billionaires and that lifestyle.
0: So, <laughs> That's great.
1: Yeah, so it's, we got a lot of little projects going on, but yeah, just kind of fun.
0: It's official. Winter has arrived, and Bent Gate Mountaineering is prepared to help you get ready for your epic winter. Come check out the latest in Alpine Touring, Telemark, NTN, and Splitboarding gear. They have brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Solomon, Vole, Neversummer, Jones, and BCA. And, you do need to be safe out there, Bentgate has the latest in Avalanche safety gear. They have beacons, airbags, shovels, and probes, and they're ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. They also rent out gear so you can get your skis and your boots there as well as your avalanche safety equipment. What's more, they also have free demo ski days at local resorts so you can try out the latest gear. Now, how much fun does that sound? So swing by Bentgate in Golden, Colorado, or go to bentgate.com to find your new gear as well as to get updates on all of their events. let's dive into your van life story. You went to South America and spent 14 months touring South America. And like you said, you grabbed a van, you got it where, okay, I think I'm ready to roll. I'll fix the rest as I go. And off you went. Uh, What was that like? Where did you go, I guess, for starters? And then we can dive into kind of the lifestyle and what you did.
1: Sure. Uh, So Overlander Expo East was in North Carolina. They invited me to come speak at their conference with my book. So that was kind of the kickoff to the start point. We built the whole van out in six weeks, dropped it off the hoist. Hour and a half later, I packed up what was left from my house, and I was on the road. So it was kind of quick. Most people you meet on the road, they built their unit out for two years, or they just got a backpack and they flew down and bought an overland rig that's already ready and then started traveling. Both are great options. Um, So I got all the supplies I needed, threw them in the van, started road tripping. Went to North Carolina, spoke at the Expo, and then shot up to uh, Oklahoma City for a motoped, sponsored me with a little motorized bicycle deal, um, and then picked that up, then went down to San Diego to Agile Off-Road, got custom Fox shocks, custom belt for my van, all new custom leaf springs, custom coil overs, progressive for suspension for the van, because I said, ah, I'm going to spend the money, and if you go up a cliff, you're going to really wish you spent another 1000 bucks on suspension. Right. So I got that all dialed, then road trip through Mexico, and I kite surf. That's what I do. And so I sat on the beach for a couple months in Mexico, and I'm like, I've made it. I'm 30 years old. I'm retired. I'm living on the beach. I can ride dirt bikes all day, kite surf all afternoon, sleep all night. This is great. Probably two weeks later, I'm bored. I need to find a job. <laughs> so then I, <laughs> so then I ended up finding a way to start teaching English online, and I had a uh, Wi-Fi antenna off my van, so I could pick up Wi-Fi up to two kilometers away. Um, so you can, uh, teach online in your van while you're two kilometers
0: from the bar. I love what you said there. Oh, I'm retired. And then a couple weeks later, you're bored.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So
0: then, so what does that, what does that say about the lifestyle? Is it a boring lifestyle or is this just the way that Travis rolls?
1: Uh, I don't know. I need a challenge, I guess. And if you've made the money and you're sitting on the beach, there's no challenge. Uh, But I don't, I don't, well, when I am back in the States, like, now I'll be back this, oh, I'm going to Miami today to pick a car up, and then I'll drive back to Michigan over the next month or two. But, um, yeah, that's the thing. If you're working online, I'm really noticing, like, there's no, like, in Michigan, where I am right now today, looking out in the woods and it's snowing, you have to commute to work. So then you add that in, and then you got to pay rent, you add that in, and then you car, and then. You add it all up, I figure that's about five and a half, six hours a day you have to work to break even. Well, when right. I'm working online, I'm living in my van, which is my car. So, I mean, it's a. These sportsmobiles are about $150,000 fully decked out. That one was about 50 grand. So, I mean, it's, it's not like a crappy van. You have a toilet, a sink, a shower, a fridge, Wi Fi, solar, everything. But the thing I noticed is. Well, when I turn my laptop on, the commuting from my couch to my laptop is about three steps. That didn't cost me any money, and now I'm making money. And then I turn off the computer, and I'm home. So then I'm home. There's no, I'm driving to the office, now I'm finding parking, now I'm at the office, now I'm going out to lunch, now I'm driving home. And so if you eliminate that commuting and eliminate going out to lunch and all that, now your six hours a day you need to work is down to maybe three hours a day you need to work. Well, if you're only working three hours a day, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you're done. Now you can go surf the rest of the day. It's like, wow, this is, this is way easier just to cut expenses out of my life than, than, to, um, than to try and make more money.
0: Yeah, you kind of took the system and turned it on its head. That's what you did.
1: <laughs> well, um, yeah, it makes dating a little different. They just stare at you with googly eyes or they just think you're a crazy broke person who lives in a van. <laughs> so, there's not really much in between. But we'll get back to the trip. Yeah, so we were in Mexico, drove across Mexico, and it was cheaper to ship from Mexico to Colombia. It was 840 bucks to ship from Mexico to Colombia, so we put the van on a ship, brought that down there. And then three months in Colombia, cruising around, super cheap. Um, it was a fully contained van, so if you went to a hotel, they said, hey, if you want to use our pool and shower and the toilets next to the pool... As long as you eat dinner here, we won't charge you anything. So I'm living on the beach in four and five-star hotels all through Colombia, and my dinners are between five and 12 bucks a dinner, and I'm going, this is great. I don't want to cook anyway, and I got a place to stay. I got showers. I got toilets. I'm golden.
0: So wow. Colombia was awesome. That, that's a cool angle.
1: Yeah, so Colombia was good. That was four months or three months there, and then went down to Ecuador. Ecuador was a bit rough for me. I broke my ankle kite surfing doing a backflip, um, and then in Colombia, so when I went down into Ecuador, I was still on crutches, got to Ecuador and ended up picking up typhoid, so I was in the hospital for two days there with an oh. infected long typhoid, which was in, something's inflamed in your body, I don't know, some guy, some some German guy was in our campground, he came and knocked on my door, and he's like, "Nope, oh, you're going now, and he picked me up and brought me in a truck, and and I get there and I find out he's a something retired military, something doctor, something and he's like, yep, super serious. And then they're asking you, where have you been in the last 21 days? Have you been near a jungle? Yes. Have you been near a swamp? Yes. Uh, have you been near wild animals? Yes. Have you been, have you been to all of these? Yes. Oh, <laughs> we don't even know how to run that many tests. <laughs> like, Yeah, all of those. Uh, how many days out of the 21 days? Plenty. Oh. <laughs> but they fixed me up, and then I ended up having a cracked tooth too, so they fixed that too. And then uh, got all that squared up and then headed down and went to Peru for two months. Um, Northern Peru was kite surfing there and then went down to Machu Picchu and Cusco and up through the mountains, uh, Huaras and Acachino and went rock climbing for two weeks up there. So that was about uh, 16,000, between 12 and 16,000 feet on a daily basis here either. Base camp was 12,850. And then you just kept going up the mountain doing a pitch. But you got used to that for about a month, which is kind of hard to get used to, but you get used to it. And then you came back to the coast and then went all the way down Chile. And then I got to Santiago, and I'm like, well, do I really want to go all the way down to Patagonia? Because every vehicle you sell, you have to come back to Santiago for the buyer to pick it up. So then I kind of just went, I think I'm going to just sell it here and then... um, then go to Brazil, but ended up not going to Brazil. I ended up flying home and then um, got home back to Michigan. I've been here 20 days, and now I'm like, mm, I think I'm going to go on another trip. So now I'm heading down to Miami, pick the car up, and then go look at a couple uh, couple new 4x4 expedition vehicles. Um, and then I'll be here for the summer. And then uh, after the summer, then I'll probably head up to Alaska and over to Burning Man and to the other Overlander Expo west. In Arizona, they requested me to go there, so I kind of just do a little bouncing around in the U.S. and back down to Baja, Mexico for a while, and then, then I don't know, for next summer.
0: Wow. So, on this trip, did you have a favorite place or two that you'd say, yeah, definitely go go to this place?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've done six trips to Mexico. Um, my parents work for the airlines, so anytime a deal would come up, we'd just kind of hop down there in November, because... I mean, everyone tells me they can't travel, but I find airline tickets. I did $207 round trip, nonstop to Dubai, 160 bucks round trip to to uh, Costa Rica, Colombia was $221, um, Chile or Peru, Lima was $400. I mean, they're, they're tickets that are cheaper than going to Austin, Texas to Grand Rapids, Michigan cost more money than me going from Chicago to Paris on uh, Thanksgiving Day. Mm. Wow. So, But am I picking my tickets? No. Um, whatever ticket I find on that date with that much luggage at that price, that's what you take. You don't change your tickets to fly out of your town. You find a way to get to that town. So I always fly out of Detroit or Chicago. They're two- or three-hour drive from here. So I can either hitch a ride with a friend or take a bus. And then that's how you make it work. I, I meet all these people that, oh, that ticket's so much. Well, yeah, if you're flying out of a remote town to another remote town, it'll never happen. Just go hub city to hub city, and then once you get there, figure out a way to do it. Locals do it every day. There's no reason you can't do it.
0: So the traveling lifestyle, Travis, not everybody wants to live the lifestyle that you have, but those that do, they have to figure it out like you figured it out. What is it about you that said, no, this is what I want to do. I want to travel. I want to see the world. What was it that that triggered that in you? I don't know. I
1: studied abroad in 06 in Australia, and then everybody I met, I was like, I want to go there. 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 <laughs> and then you meet them, and you're like, okay, I'll go there. I've never looked at a travel brochure and said, oh, I want to see the Eiffel Tower. It's like, no, nah, Justin's in, in Paris right now. I'll go visit him. And then, oh, well, well we're going down to Slovenia today. Do you want to come with? Yeah, I'll ride with. So we shot down to Slovenia, which is basically northern Italy right there. On the east side, if you guys are wondering where that is, just northwest of Croatia, east of Italy, northeast of Italy. Um, but yeah, like country wise, best countries, um, Colombia is probably number one, Mexico is number two, Slovenia is
0: number three, and Thailand's number
2: four.
0: Hmm.
1: So of the, say that yeah.
0: again. Say that again. Mexico.
1: Um, so Colombia would be number one, Mexico's number two, Slovenia's number three, Thailand's number four.
0: And why do you rank them that way?
1: Um, so, basically, most welcoming for Americans or Canadians, either one. Uh, Canadians have a pretty bad rap in Africa because um, of the mining and stuff. Mm, but okay. um, everywhere else I have Canadian patches on all my bags because Americans get a lot of not-so-friendly friends. Uh, so, but uh is awesome. Um if you watch the movie Narcos, you'll see how pretty it is. Um, the cartel and all that's gone. That's old school. Um, and they give tax-free for new hotels being built from 2008 until this past year. So all this money is getting poured in there. Like the Marriott's are dumping. Hotels, uh, the Hilton, the all of them are dumping all this money into Columbia. And they're just building and building and building and building and building. And it's really, really nice. And it's cheap. The thing about all four of those countries is it's just really cheap. You can live on hundred bucks a week. I mean, it's it depends how you want to live or where you are or what city, but hundred bucks a week is totally doable. Hundred dollars a day is also doable. So I mean, it's it depends what level of comfort you want. And the one statistic I uh, six out um, is that tourists and backpackers spend the same amount of money per trip. Backpackers spend between $5 and $15 a night for hotel stays. A tourist will spend $100 a night. But the backpacker will gladly do a $280 skydiving ticket with a media package. And a tourist will only do a $15 walking um, tour. There you go. (laughs) So it it just depends. Do you want to do the skydive with the video or do you want to do a walking tour around the city? I mean, that's that's the thing that you kind of have to start figuring out what you really want. And if you don't go for everything, you can realize real quick, I can afford this trip, and I can afford four or five fun little things.
0: So what are your things? It looks like uh, kiteboarding, rock climbing, paddleboarding, mm-hmm. uh, dirt bikes. Uh, what are your favorites?
1: You pretty much just nail it all right there. Um, kite surfing's is kind of the expensive one, so I bring my kites with me. I think it's pretty cool that I can kite on the beach. And then I flew from Mexico to Michigan for Christmas last year. Landed in Michigan, pumped up the kites, and threw a snowboard on and went snow kiting. So you can be out in the ocean, then put a landboard on, and be going down the desert, and then be up in the mountains, snow, and out in the powder with your kite. So I really like that, and I can travel with it. Uh, dirt bikes have always been a passion. Um, I'm kind of like more towards retired. I race from like age 3 until I was 26. Broken 58 or more bones, not counting the Columbia. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, two reconstructed shoulders so I've kind of moved away from the racing harder stuff for now um, and kind of just more focused on like the van thing was kind of fun so I did that did the tiny house and uh, yeah just kind of finding a way to make everything fit you know what I mean
0: oh yeah yeah so what has travel done for you man I mean you have you've figured out a way to make it affordable and build a lifestyle around it but what's it done for you
1: Um, It really changes how you think. It changes your views on things. Like the one thing I see when I come back in the U.S., it's like everything's so easy. Like everything's 24 hours. There's oil. You need an oil, you go get it. It's at the store. Or you order it on Amazon and it's here the next day. And it's like, ah, in South America. I have spent two weeks trying to get uh, 10W40 oil or 10W20. It just takes forever. And here it's just easy, 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 easy.
0: Hmm. Uh, Travis, let's describe your van a little bit uh, There are a lot of people that have never done any overlanding And they want to know How much do I really have to have Before I'm good to go to these developing countries And have what I need So what, what do you think are the essentials?
1: Well, what is It's basically not what vehicle do I need It's what can you live without Like how much can you live without um, right. The biggest thing for me um, Is I need to be standing up I, it seems like a very strange thing, but there's basically three stages of four wheeled Overlanders. Stage one is really good fuel economy, but you can't stand up in your car. You have to cook outside. You either sleep in the back of an SUV or a roof tent on a car or whatever. So, that being said, you get good fuel mileage and the vehicle costs very little, but you're not super comfortable. Stage two would be my van. You have the four wheel drive, you can stand up in it um it doesn't get as good a mileage but it is a lot more like a home and then there's stage three which is full-blown class c or bigger motor home with a toilet a shower um the yeah the big thing is toilet and shower because once you have a toilet and shower you don't ever have to leave your vehicle but getting water in these in these countries and uh, in the desert is a lot a lot more difficult so it's just what level of comfort do you want um a lot of people always ask me what what's the best what's the best and i'm like well, uh, the two or three that I would recommend would be uh, a Jeep Cherokee with a six-cylinder inline. Put a roof tent on it or sleep in the back of it. That's super reliable, very cheap to get, and there's lots of parts most of the way through South America. You're never going to get a vehicle that's in every single country, so just rule that out. Even Yes, Toyotas have parts everywhere, but they cost a bunch of money, and, but they're not everywhere. So Toyotas are great, too, but they cost a lot more money. A 4Runner or a Cherokee would be two great ones for the SUV category. For the Vans, I like the Fords. Um, I haven't met anybody that hasn't had issues with Sprinters. Sprinters get really good fuel economy. That's awesome. They all cost about $2,000 or more once they break, and they're unibodies. So once you – everyone tells me, I'm not going off-roading, and then you just sit and laugh at them. Yeah, well, your road has a four-foot hole deep. Eight feet long and three feet wide that one wheel's going through. Well, no, I'm I'm just yeah, that's Main Street in the middle of a big city of a population of a hundred thousand. <laughs> like the roads wow. under construction, and that's where you're going, just like that. Like there's <laughs> and people will tell me time and time again, no, 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 that's not gonna be me. Okay, cool. But every time I go through a section in four wheel wide open, oh, I can't believe I made it. And I don't even say it anymore. I go, there's no way a four wheel driver can't make it through here. Like a car can't make it. Two minutes later, there's a soccer mom in a Ford minivan that comes pulling through, dragging the rear bumper, but she made it. I mean, your car will die, but you can make it pretty much anywhere with two-wheel drive. I mean, we've seen them with chains on the front tires on two-wheel drive little cars. So, I mean, it's it's all what your level of comfort is. And then the other guys are the big rigs. The big rigs through South America have a full toilet shower, and they carry enough fuel for 3,000 kilometer fuel range and 200 gallons of water or whatever. So those those are the big unimogs and stuff like that, which are super comfortable, but then you're trading off. It's really hard to get through certain city streets, or you can't get through them, or you're too heavy to go to the supermarket because it's a two-level supermarket, and you have to drive in on a little bridge, and you're too heavy for the bridge. So it's all what your budget is. For vans, um, I think a Chevy Astro is super good. I've been finding a bunch of them on... Uh, Government auctions for like 40,000 miles for like three grand. Six-cylinder, all-wheel drive. You can put a pop-top on it so you can stand up in it. I think that's a super great budget um, build right there. Or the 40 condo lines are what I like. You don't get as good fuel mileage, but they're really robust. They're really strong. You can get parts everywhere. So my entire trip, I think I spent 1400 bucks on repairs, parts. That counts brake pads, oil changes, um, out of 27,000 miles, I'd say that's remarkably good. No flat tires, no blown-out tires, no suspension issues, nothing.
0: Wow. That, that works, man. That works. Well, let's talk about what some people would think of as barriers to travel like you've done it. And it, you can tell us how you managed or, or some advice about it. So the first one is language differences. How, how did you manage the language differences?
1: Well, I want to back up just a little bit before the language difference. Um, So just to get a scale of how many travelers are in the U.S., 21% of Americans own a passport. 3.5% have ever traveled overseas. So only 3% of Americans have ever flown outside of North America. So that's kind of the demographic we're trying, the hurdle we're trying to get over. Um, Language barriers. There is almost no language barrier to to deal with anywhere in the world. Women aged 13 to 30, statistically like 80%, have either had an English course or speak some English. So, also pharmacists, all pharmacists all over the United States or the world speak English. Pilots all have to speak English. So, are you going to pull into a gas station in the northern um, desert, the high desert of Chile, and he'll speak English? Probably not. But are you going to look around and there might be a 20-year-old girl sitting there on her iPhone, and you ask her? Sure, then she can answer. But iPhones now, now we're getting to like more modern travel. And when I started back in 2006, 2008, when I was a teenager, 20, now we have Google Translate. Google Translate offline works great for 90% of the stuff. So translating, not that big a deal. You can get parts, you can get where you need to go. You can say hi, you can say bye. Um, if you try and flirt or if you try and understand the retirement structure for the country um, then then language is going to be a pretty big barrier but saying left or right for the subway not never been a problem in the 50 countries I've been traveling through.
0: okay I think the number one barrier that people talk about is cost and you already nailed that one you already you already showed us how it's not really that expensive you have to just choose a lifestyle that supports it
1: right it's not too expensive but you can't you can't be one of these people that they want everything they want. They want to travel for next to nothing, they want all the luxuries, and they want to get picked up from the doorstep and dropped off at the doorstep. If you really want to travel, you'll find those killer deals that are, hey, in four days there's a ticket from Chicago to Greece, and it's 137 bucks round trip, and I can only bring a little school backpack. Okay, that's cool, we'll go get some synthetic clothes that, like, they're super easy to wash, and... Throw two days' worth of clothes in there and a pair that you're wearing, that's three days. So every third day you do laundry, and you can just do it in your sink because it's all synthetic and super easy to clean. Under Armour and all that stuff, super easy. And smart wool socks don't hold smell. So now you just flew to Greece. You're in Greece. You book a hostel. Yep, you have roommates. You do. You could have a 19-year-old kid sitting here making out with some girl at the end of your bed. But you are in Greece, and you can afford it right now like you it's like oh well i want to have a villa on the ocean well that's great that sounds awesome i want a corporate jet to fly me everywhere on my trips too but that hasn't happened so it's (laughs) it's what what you want and what you're willing to give up to get there if you can't afford the hostel then you just pitch a tent on the beach so i mean there's there's all kinds of ways to get there and you can always travel for free too
2: You know, we might be smack dab in the middle of winter these days, but spring is really just right around the corner. Make sure you've got one of our lightweight camp stoves ready to go in your pack for when the weather starts turning warmer. Both the 180 stove and the 180 flame are designed to burn the abundant wood fuels you find on the ground instead of requiring you to haul in heavy, messy camp fuels. Take a minute to head on over to our site at www180 tackcom to check out these American-made stoves that are built to last. You'll be helping us and you'll be helping the Adventure Sports Podcast. Thanks, guys.
0: So here's another one. I think a lot of people are just kind of concerned about companionship and will they get lonely? Do, how much of your traveling has been alone?
1: Uh, 99.1%, I would say, would be alone.
0: Okay, um, so is that something yeah, that you're really comfortable with, or do you find ways to not feel alone when you are alone?
1: Lots of stuffed animals.
2: <laughs>
1: no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, women come and ask me this question all the time after I speak at a conference. Oh, I'm a woman, I can't travel alone. 86% of single travelers, by Lonely Planet statistics, are women. 86% of single travelers are women. Most of the time, women age, I think it was like 19 to 26 was the demographic of the most. Because at that age, you go to a hostel and you meet up, there's three surfer guys there. And then let's say Tiffany comes and meets up with them. Hey, Tiff, we're, we're going to this break and then we're going here, do you want to come with? Sure. So now Tiffany's riding along with them. Now those three guys have Tiffany as their little brother or little sister, so they'll do anything to block to protect that little sister. Or I mean, a lot of girls that are sitting at the subway and like little families will come up to them and be like, "Hey, you're a girl. You're by yourself. Would you like to give? Would you like us to give you a ride?" And there's always people looking out for single girls, which I think is great. But as a single guy traveler, it's always like. Oh, he's a guy. He can handle it himself. And I'm thinking, like, I have a sprained ankle 40 <laughs> kilos of bags. And you're like, oh, suck it up. <laughs> but, yeah, women travel alone um, a lot more than guys do, which I think is great. Um, but, uh, do I get lonely? Yep. Super lonely. Um, but... I mean, it's like, would I rather be in a relationship and miserable sitting here going to a nine-to-five every day? Or would I rather be, sometimes you get cool experiences, like sometimes you're dating supermodels in Monaco and Nice and Cannes. I dated her for a while, which was cool. It was weird, but it was cool. And then, um, I mean, you never know what will happen unless you try. And so... And being single and um a pretty outgoing it, it opens a lot of stuff up where a lot of guys are like, Oh wow, this guy's crazy, like, Oh, why didn't he come with us? And then you end up going with them to I don't know, his dad's villa up in, uh, in, off the coast of Italy and it's like all big winery and fancy smancy everything, and you're standing there in your in your crocs and your um, all <laughs> wrinkled up dockers like, Oh, I seriously had to dress.
0: Wow. Well, and, you know, I've talked to other travelers who have said the advantage of traveling alone is that you're more approachable, and you actually get to know the people more. For sure. And if you travel in a group, then everyone just kind of like, oh, stay away, it's a, it's a bunch of people. Even two guys together are more of a threat than a single guy who's, who's just out there, you I, know? And, and has that been your experience?
1: Yes, for sure. Like, um, back flying in the U.S., like, anytime I go into Chicago, New York, um, uh, any of the major port um, cities when you fly in, the, the restaurants are always super crowded at airports. And so I just look at some business people, I'm like, can I sit with you? They're sitting by themselves, and they're always like, yeah, 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 please, please, please. And it, but if you're a couple, and then you both sit down, because I traveled with my ex, um, we traveled through uh, Korea, uh, we were going to do Cuba, Mexico, and Philippines. And when you're traveling with her, you sit down, and he, the, the business guy doesn't want to talk to you because now you're a couple and he's worried about disturbing mm. you. Or you're two buddies and he doesn't want to disturb you. When you're by yourself, he's all excited to tell you about his new deal in Korea for the new Samsung phone or whatever. So it's kind of cool. You can, you can always just hop into conversations and hop out. And you have like mini friends, and you always meet people, travelers. And like, I bet I probably had like 10 or 12 girls. They'd ride with me for maybe a month or two weeks um, all through South America. And then you get to another port city, and then they're like, all right, cool, like, my next flight's out of here, so I'll see you later. And then they fly off to the next city, and then, then you take off to the next town.
0: So you've made a lot of friends around the globe.
1: Yeah, I probably have more friends around the world than I do in the U.S.
0: Wow. I think a lot of people are just kind of nervous about it. It's the unknown that scares them. And I don't, you know, being afraid of what you don't know is, is probably what most people are most afraid of, but how do you overcome that?
1: Well, we were all afraid of driver's training when we were 16 years old, but how did we all get over that? Like, we all got in the car, we did the lessons, and then we went and did it. Um, like, we were we were afraid of, for some people, getting married. Some people are still afraid of being <laughs> married. <laughs> but you found that girl, then you found the way to make it work, and away you go. Or we were all afraid of buying a house or, or I don't know, swimming in the ocean. But you just have to do it. By going out there and taking steps and going out, do a little trip, a little trip to Mexico. Mexico is basically like Wisconsin, just with a tan, because everybody in Cancun is from Wisconsin. (laughs) 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 They sell more Green Bay Packers ponchos in (laughs) there than they do (laughs) than they sell any other poncho. They said,
0: (laughs) "Wow." That's funny. So, you know, a lot of people also are afraid of violence. And we've interviewed an awful lot of travelers on the show. And almost everybody says, what? Why? <laughs> you know? But what's your take on that? What about crime and, and violence overseas?
1: People always ask me that. And I go, okay, cool, yeah. Well, would you walk through downtown Chicago right now, like through this suburb right here? Oh, no, I'd never
0: get on that road. You'll
1: get shot. Oh, well, why would you go on your vacation and walk down a suburb that you're going to get shot at? Oh that's, that's a good point. Exactly. Do you like California? Yes. Do you like L.A.? Yes. Would you walk down between L.A. and Long Beach? Would you walk down these alleys at night at 2 o'clock in the morning wearing a bright pink shirt? No. Why would I do that? Exactly. Why would you do that in Barcelona? Like, you just avoid the super dangerous areas and it's fine. Like, our crime rate in the U.S. is higher than most of these countries. And yet, you're not afraid of going through L.A. or or Daytona Beach or anything, so why should you be worried about traveling to these other countries? Don't go out at night. Don't drink a ton and come staggering home wearing a bright pink dress in the middle of an alley. I mean, you you just kind of cover yourself and and know that, all right, well, these hours are safe, and so I just don't want to expose myself to more danger than I need to.
0: So don't be stupid. That's what you're saying.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: (laughs) Well, it's fun because most of the world travelers that we talk to, they all kind of come to the same conclusion, and that is that generally people are great. Around the globe, we all want the same things. You know, we want, to, we want to earn a decent living. We want to have life experiences. We want to have a family that we can love and that loves us in return. You know, we want the opportunity to live a life, and that's what 99.9% on the planet, you know, that's what the people want.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you so, what, there's no difference between a mom mad at a kid in every country in the world and the kid being a stinker, or the difference between a dog and a pet looking up at the parents, like or at the owners like, ha, I just ate your stuff. Doesn't matter anywhere in the world. An angry mom is an angry mom. An angry wife is an angry <laughs> wife. The husbands are scared of the wife in every country around the world if she's super mad. And guess what? Even the police in other countries are scared of an angry wife.
0: (laughs) It is human nature to be human, I guess, isn't it?
1: Yeah. It's pretty funny when you're on the subway and there's someone yelling in Chinese and you just know that that kid is being a stinker and mom's super sick of it. (laughs) What do they say? (laughs) I don't know, but he's in trouble and he doesn't like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fun. So how do you connect with people? What, What do you do? To, uh, to, to break the ice, I guess, and, and start a, a conversation.
1: If you have a common ground between them, like you're waiting in line, you're like, oh, this line is so long. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, it is. Where are you from, by the way? Oh, I'm from the U.S. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Barcelona. Oh, how do you like Slovenia? Oh, it's great. So if, if you have a common thing, even if it's something you have in common for the last four and a half seconds, that is a super great thing to start off on. And then it seems to flow really, really well. For me, racing. I get invited to all these mobile rallies, these big off-road rally races, the Dakar Rally and the Baja 1000, because they all know I have a background in racing for years and years and years. I've raced, I've broken bones, I've lived in, in semis. So when you're there, it's weird. It feels like home. Even though you're in a compound and you have guards everywhere and you're in the middle of nowhere or in the middle of the city, you're like, oh, cool. like There's impact wrenches and trucks and they're welding and I, like he's getting his times and He's got a broken collarbone, but he's got to finish his race. Like, there there are things that, doesn't matter where you are, they're the exact same in the world. And when you're in those areas, it really fits in. Like, if you're a techie, if you know an iPhone, that's the one thing that I wrote in my book. Like, oh, how do I relate to a billionaire? Guess what? Every billionaire that I know has Facebook. And they still hate when Facebook updates it. Or they hate when their iPhone updates. And if you help them with their iPhone, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the world. If you're irritated and your phone's not working... You're going to become a friendship. You're going to have a bond over you got me that email that I couldn't get access to because my icon moved or whatever.
0: Sure. Well, man, you've had so many life experiences, and I know that there are a lot of listeners who are saying, I want to learn more, and I want to figure out how to do some of this stuff. Um, So you've got, let's see, Van22 dot com van 22.com is that the best way that people could get more information about this
1: yeah check out van 22.com um it's kind of becoming a picture blog more so now with modern everything and we mainly move everything over to instagram our instagram is pretty much where we go through all the messages and stuff so instagram is four by four van 22 um or you can just go on van 22.com and click the
0: link Okay, and Facebook, same thing? Yeah, facebook.com slash 4x4Band22. And if people just want to read the book first, uh, once again, what's the name of the book?
1: Party Like a Billionaire. It's on Amazon by Travis Ravenberg
0: <laughs> Party Like a Billionaire. Hard to forget that one. Yep, yep. Well, man, it is fun to talk to you and to get your perspective on travel. And I think what I'm gathering, the big picture I'm gathering from you is, it's completely doable. Why aren't people doing it? Right? Yep,
1: yep. I mean, I talk to all kinds of people, and they're like, oh, I can never do this, and then they tell me the reasons why, and then I go, okay, well, you can do it because of this, 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 and this, and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Anyone can do it. You just got to figure out what and how you can make it work.
0: Wow. Well, you know, we could have talked about motorcycle racing. We could have talked about traveling around the world as a, as a sponsored BMW motorcycle rider. We could have talked about you know, lots of stories from your trip to South America. We could have talked about a lot of things, but what I really like is that you gave us the overview that says, this is how you make this happen. Yep. And that's really cool. So we appreciate the information, man. Thanks for the time.
1: No worries. Yeah. That's why I wrote that book. Basically a how-to book on how to travel the world for free. Like anybody can cross the ocean for free. That's how I did it. I just hitchhiked across on an $8 million super yacht. Took three weeks of knocking on doors every day until I got a ride across, but there's all kinds of ways to travel the world for free or get paid while traveling. Uh, cruise ships are super easy to hop on. Um, if you're young and you can sing, they're always hiring singers. Um, I mean, it's, you speak English, you're from North America, you can work online teaching English. I mean, it's, it's just you just go on and type in ESL Learning and Google it and you'll find out whatever you need to know.
0: Wow, very cool, very cool. Well, all the best, man. Let's stay in touch. We'd love to hear more about your adventures in the future, but thanks so much for your time today.
1: Hey, no problem. Thanks,
0: Chris. Oh, you bet. And for all the listeners out there, wow, Travis has laid it down for you. It's not hard. All you have to do is decide you're doing it. I think that's the bottom line. So if you have the itchy foot and want to travel, then don't be satisfied with the armchair. Go ahead and get Travis's book, read it in the armchair, but then go, right? And make those life experiences. So... Right on. Until the next show, get out there and have some fun. Cool.
2: Coming up on Thursday's episode, we'll have our outdoor retailer show. Until then, get out and have some fun. Why don't you do yourself and us a favor and become a member of our Facebook group. In there, you can hear about some awesome adventures, learn how to do new ones, and share what you've been up to. And while you're on the web, do us a favor and go over to patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and consider becoming a patron to help the show. You can also find a link to Patreon at the top of our website at adventuresportspodcast.com. As always, thanks for listening, guys.